Good morning and a happy new year to everyone in Southeast Louisiana. It is play-by-play. It is the first play-by-play of the year 2024. Casey Gisclair here with Coach Brian Colley. Coach, belated happy new year to you, brother. Hope you had a wonderful day. Yes, sir. Happy new year. Yep. Had a had a great time over the break and uh, looking forward to uh, the new year. Absolutely. Same here, man. Hope everybody has enjoyed their holiday. Now we're kind of back into a more normal schedule. We've got a fun show coming your way today. In the next segment, we're going to Tony Clark of the Thibodeau High School Tigers boys basketball team. Tony's team is getting ready for district play and actually is playing pretty well. They've had some good results lately. We'll chat with Tony in the next segment of the show. Then at noon, we're going to have one of the friends of the show, uh, Gage Griffin, the boys basketball coach at Central Lafouche. Same situation as Tony. They're getting ready for district play. I'm not going to lie. We booked Gage today because Dwayne The Rock Johnson returned yesterday on Monday Night Raw, and I want to hear his thoughts on that. Because, look, he's come back every once in a while, and it was kind of like a one-night thing, but he came back last night and challenged Roman Reigns. So he's going to be back for a while. Um, So we look forward to chatting with Gage about that a little later on in the show. And then, boy, we've got some football to talk about. We've got some bowl games to talk about, college football playoff games to talk about. LSU gets a win. We'll talk about the college football playoff. Don't know if we'll even have the time to get to the NFL stuff, so we might have to do that on tomorrow's show. We'll see how it goes. But we've got some Saints to talk about. Cowboys had a controversial win. We've got to cover all that. Um, So, man, just so much football that is going on over the holiday, as always on New Year's, but so much to cover there. Let's thank our sponsors, the Blue Boot Foundation, Golden Motors, where price is priority located on Highway 3235 in Cutoff, and Dufresne Building Materials. Experience the Dufresne difference with eight locations in Cutoff, Thibodeau, Belchase, Luling, Slidell, Araby, Gulfport, and Grand Isle. We thank them all so much for the support. Now, as we always do here, because, you know, I was just up here saying, oh, man, we've had so much football since we were last on. We've also had a whole lot of basketball since we've last been on. So let's get you the Saturday boys basketball results. And I'm going to only give boys because there were not any girls basketball results locally on Saturday. So these are the boys basketball results from Saturday. A lot of crazy things happened, and we'll, we'll kind of recap and run down some of that stuff. Uh, let's see. We had Dutchtown get a 48-40 to win over St. James. That's a good win for Dutchtown. That's over at the Plaquemine Tournament. St. James drops one there. We had Thibodeau get a 54-47 to win over John Errett at the Plaquemine Tournament. Thibodeau, as we said a second ago, is playing better basketball. They're doing a much better job scoring the ball. Their, their offensive numbers have been better in recent games. They get a win over John Errett. Good for Coach Tony Clark and his staff. Tony will be joining us a little later in the show. Terrebonne. Rolled past Lutcher, 71-51 over at the Core Holiday Invitational. That game was at Central Catholic of Morgan City. Really, really good win for Terrebonne against a Lutcher team that, I don't know, man, I saw them at the Core Holiday Invitational. They're athletic and they're skilled, but they're, they're not as good as they were last year. Whew, and maybe the game of the season. We had Bruley get a 60-57 to win over Archbishop Shaw at the Core Holiday Invitational. Uh, loop. Coach's kid made two three-pointers in the final minute of overtime, um, including the game winner that gets Bruley a 60-57 win over Shaw. I've seen Shaw. You've seen Shaw. I've seen Bruley. You've seen Bruley. Bruley is undefeated. They're 14-0. and I'll be honest, coming into this game, I didn't think that they could beat Shaw, but they did, and they are still undefeated. Get a three-point win. Coach Loop, uh, Thibodeau guy, he's, he's, a, he's a local. He asked me on Friday, he said, hey, man, why you ain't never got me on your radio show? I said, well, 
I didn't have your number. Now I do. We're going to have them a little later on in the week. Bruley is rolling, man. What a disciplined and skilled basketball team. Coach's kid is is making big shots. Bruley's going to be a team to look out for out in 6-4-A. Big win over Shaw. Yeah, said it last week. That team is hard to defend. They put a lot of pressure on you. Their transition game is is uh, is awesome. They they put they want to push the ball out and try and shoot layups. And a lot of times when people go to contest these layup shots, they're getting fouled, uh, making three point plays, or getting to the free throw line early in quarters, which you have to do. And uh, they can shoot the three ball from the outside. And uh, yeah, Coach uh, Kirby uh, Loop Sun. Uh, He's a big guy. He can play inside and outside. And, um, again, they're just hard to defend. And, uh, man, to beat Shaw, Huge you, win. Uh, you for real. Yeah, no doubt about that. Look, South Lafouche got a big win. They got a 56-52 to win over E.D. White. We had Coach Brody Williams on the sports corner on Saturday. Said, hey, man, uh, going to be a little more trusting of my guys. They got a big performance from Landon Dardar, who scored like 16. Coleman had like 13 or something like that. Terrence Petrie had 11. Balanced scoring. The Tarpons were making shots from the outside. And what was, I think, the most impressive is that they held the lead pretty much the whole second half. And when E.D. White would make a run, you know, cut that eight, nine point lead down to three or four, wouldn't panic. Would just go get another bucket or two and stretch it back out. A youthful Tarpon team showed some poise on the third game of a tournament on the road, playing on someone else's home floor unquestionably that is the best win of the season for South Lafouche. Hopefully they could carry that momentum and build some confidence because that's a good one. E.D. White was like 8-4 and four coming in. That's a really, really good win. Yeah, look, a combination of things that we talked about it before where uh, this team plays so hard that uh, they, they're going to be in some games because just the fact that how hard did they play. Uh, if you're not uh, going to handle the basketball in any part of the floor, in any part of the floor, they're going to take the ball from you. They're aggressive, and, again, they've just played so hard. And I think right now uh, they have some confidence. They're playing with confidence, and they're playing a little more loose. It's not like uh, a structure where we have to run this, we got to get the ball here, we got to pass it here. Uh, they're just playing, and it looks like they're having some fun, and I think that's a, a good formula. Vanderbilt finishes fifth at the Sunkiss Tournament, getting a 70-44 win over St. Thomas Aquinas. That's a good win for Vanderbilt, carrying some momentum into the new year. Uh, Berwick at the core holiday invitational gets splattered. Central Catholic puts it on them real good, 67-35. to Good win for Central Catholic, who continues to play at a high level. Donaldsonville is a really good basketball team. They're in our local 3A district, 8-3A. They lose to Plaquemine at the Plaquemine Tournament, 55-50. to but some of the things, if you go pull up Donaldsonville's schedule, some of the things they've done in recent weeks indicates they might be the favorite in our local 3A district. To lose just by five to a very good Plaquemine team is a good showing for them. Iowa gets a 49-47 to win over Patterson at the Sunkiss Tournament. We talked earlier last week about how good of a team Iowa is. The fact that Patterson's playing them to just a two-point spread. The Lumberjacks are going to be another team strongly in contention in our 8-3A district, which looks like it's going to be uh, one heck of a district. We told you about St. James and Dutchtown. Uh, Homa Christian was supposed to play Church Point. That game got canceled, and that wraps up our scores, man. A lot of teams in tournaments and different things. Anything stood out to you on the basketball side over the last couple of days, man? Uh, not really. I haven't looked at it a whole bunch, to be honest with you. Uh, 
Brule getting the win over Shaw. I think that was a little surprise. And again, no uh, knock at Brule. <laughs> they darn good. Uh, I just think Shaw had a couple of uh, the size, maybe. Uh, just from watching Shaw on film, they looked a little big. At least a couple of those guys I thought would give them some problems. We, we have some district doubleheaders that are listed on the LHSA website. Some of these games are not going to be played tonight, though. I'm li- and I'm going to get clarification before I you know put it all the way out there. I'm like 99% sure that Bourgeois and Terrebonne, which is scheduled for tonight, is actually tomorrow. I'm 99% sure Andrew told me that at the gym Saturday. I will confirm that with both coaches. I'll let you know. We got Hanville and Destrehan that are scheduled to play tonight. Hanville is going to be heavily favored there. We got Thibodeau traveling to take on East St. John tonight. Good opportunity for Tony's team to maybe try to make some hay. Assumption is really struggling on the boys' basketball side. They're hosting White Castle tonight to try to maybe get a little bit of momentum. And then you look down and you see CCA is playing Central Catholic in a district game. CCA playing well, Central Catholic playing well. That'll be a fun one out in Morgan City. Crazy to think, man, already in district play. These teams are going to be uh, vying for district championships over the next couple of weeks. Yep, the big, bigger districts are, are going to start their district play this week. Uh, some of the smaller districts will still have a week or two before they uh, start competing in district. But when uh, it's a, this is an important time of the year for basketball teams because this is your last push and your last tournaments before you get into district play. And uh, just look at the Tarpons, where they at. They got to make a big push right here before they get into district because – uh, again, you play one round, but you also scheduled some non-district games against some of these teams. Uh, the, the South Terrebonne's assumptions, they're not having a very good year so far. Uh, that's, that's some tough games for the Tarpons. You beat them, uh, you're not moving up a whole bunch because they don't have many wins. And uh, if you happen to get beat by them, it's, uh, it would be a bad loss for them. So it's, it's a big stretch here for the Tarpons this next couple of weeks. I don't know if you heard Friday's show or not, but I caused chaos um, by saying that s'mores was the best Pop Tart flavor. What's the best Pop Tart flavor to you? Oh, do you eat Pop Tarts? I did years ago. Oh, get out of here, man! You don't you don't eat them currently? No, no. Again, if you are looking to be a producer of a daily radio show, seven nine eight. Wow, just because no Pop Tarts. Everyone else was sending me text messages and was like, man, that's my favorite snack food. Oh, Debbie down over here. Oh, man, oh, I don't eat that. Oh. <laughs> Fun my sponge. goodness. <laughs> Happy New Year, brother. Wait. <laughs> let's Starting catch, early. Let's catch a break when we get back out of the break. We'll have Tony Clark on the line. And I did just get confirmation. HF Bourgeois and Terrebonne are playing tomorrow night. So if you go on the LHSA website, Pay no mind, they're playing tomorrow night. We'll be right back after this with Coach Clark here on KLEB. Teaming up to create a healthier community, Coastal Broadcasting and Thibodeau Regional Medical Center present Health Watch. Just as you put fuel in your car to drive from point A to point B, you need to put fuel in the form of food in your body to achieve peak performance. Good nutrition leads to increased recovery, high concentration, high confidence, and ultimately high performance. The first tip to good sports nutrition is increasing the number of times you eat per day. An example of a well-balanced day would include breakfast, a mid-morning snack, 
lunch, pre-practice snack, recovery snack, dinner, and an optional nighttime snack. This is helpful because the athlete may experience an increase in stabilized metabolism, maintain level blood sugars, receive constant energy and nutrients to muscles, prevent late night overeating, and ensure adequate calories throughout the day. Breakfast is your kickstart for the day to maintain focus, return blood sugars to normal, and be your best as early as possible. Some good breakfast foods may be a smoothie, peanut butter and jelly sandwich, apple slices with peanut butter, waffle with fresh fruit, egg and turkey sausage, or yogurt. Lunch sustains metabolism, stabilizes blood sugar, and assists in meeting caloric goals. Some good lunch options may be peanut butter sandwich, turkey club sandwich, grilled chicken salad, ham and cheese wrap, or grilled tuna with vegetables. Snacks fuel your body, provide energy before workout, keeps you focused all day, maintains stable blood sugar, and keeps you from overeating at any given meal. Some good snacks may be roasted nuts, cracker and pretzel mix, bananas, peanut butter, or yogurt with fresh fruit. Snacks play an important role in recovering nutrition, which means the body needs to refuel energy stores with carbohydrates, repair and rebuild muscle tissue with proteins, and rehydrate with water and electrolytes. Timing is everything when it comes to your recovery snack, so be sure to refuel your body within 30 to 60 minutes post-workout, practice, or game. If you have questions about nutrition before activity, snacks play an important role in recovering nutrition, which means the body needs to refuel energy stores with carbohydrates, repair and rebuild muscle tissue with proteins, and rehydrate with water and electrolytes. Please call the Sports Medicine Center of Thibodeau Regional at 985-493-4502 or visit us at Thibodeau.com. 985-493-4502 or visit us at Thibodeau.com. Health Watch is a presentation of Coastal Broadcasting and Thibodeau Regional Medical Center. For more information on the Sports Medicine Center of Thibodeau Regional, call 985-493-4502 or visit Thibodeau.com. Call 985-493-4502 or visit Thibodeau.com. I rescued Toast from my shelter in 2011. I love Toast because she's a lazy diva. She's sleeping right now. She's so loving. She's so comforting. When I walked into the shelter, I knew right then that she was special. Start yours today. Visit theshelterpetproject.org to find a pet near you. Brought to you by Maddie's Fund, the Humane Society of the United States, and the Ad Council. Cheers! Cheers, please! It is a really fun time of the high school basketball season. As we were talking about in the last segment of play-by-play, we got teams that are approaching the start of district play. One of those teams are the Thibodeau Tigers, who are going to be competing against East St. John tonight on the road. Coach Tony Clark is on the line now of the Tigers. Coach, good morning, buddy. How are we doing today? I'm doing good. Good morning to y'all. Good, man. Look, we mentioned that in the last segment of the show, your team has, has caught a little bit of a hot streak here. You're 4-2 and two in your last uh, six games. Scoring the ball a little better. I'm seeing a lot of 50s and some 60s in there. Uh, team building some confidence at the right time of the year heading into district play. Yeah, well, we hope so. We, uh, I think overall we've been playing much better than we had early in the year. Um, the kids working hard, um, been receptive to the coaching. Uh, That's what we expect, and uh, you know, we're going to see what we can do tonight. 
Taking on East St. John on the road, that's always yeah. a very difficult place to play. We don't know a whole lot about East St. John, but I'll say this, man. Lately, they seem to have been turning it on. They've played a lot better yeah. in the last couple of weeks. Tell us about your yeah. opponent tonight. Yeah, they're playing well right now. They uh, Typical East St. John team, very athletic, uh, and that's what worries me the most. They, uh, they got a bunch of playmakers. They got two guards that can really go, uh, really good penetrators. They got a big kid. Um, that actually is kind of the leader. Shoots it well, but he can go inside if he has to. So uh, it's definitely going to be a tough matchup. Coach Brian and I talk about this a lot, is that um, Brian is old school, and he believes, man, like you got to get in the gym and physically see these teams with your own eyes. And I know you're the same way because yeah. we see you at the gyms oh, a lot. So talk about yeah. that. You know what, what can you pick up in person versus just watching a game on huddle? The biggest thing I think you pick up is the speed. Um I mean, I, I could remember early when I started coaching being surprised when we actually got to see a team on the court compared to the film. And, I mean, you could just see everything that goes on, demeanor of certain players, uh, how they handle certain situations. And, uh, you know, that's a little bit better in scouting than just sitting there watching the, you know, watching the game on the tape. Unfortunately, East St. John is the only team I wasn't – well, one of the only teams I wasn't able to actually see. So tonight we're going on all, all film. But, uh, you know, I know Coach Broadway well. I do remember some of the players. So, you know, we, we pretty much know what to expect from them. Dude, it's a big 48-hour uh, stretch for your team. Got the the Wildcats tonight traveling to take on Hammond tomorrow. That's a 10-win team. Oh, you guys are going to be the Road Warriors this week, but a chance to really make up some yeah. ground too. Yeah, it is. And, you know, I like to make the schedule as, as tough as I think we can handle. Um, Hammond came out to us last year, so, you know, of course we had to return the favor. Um, and I'm actually glad we played it on a Wednesday. Uh, give, give us the Friday off and give me a chance to go see a few more district teams on uh, on Friday. Tell us about your district, man, because you guys still do the two rounds. Um, yeah. Tell us about the importance of ver game one versus game two, and then you got to make adjustments. And, like, how do you juggle all that in, in terms of having to play all these teams two times? Well, I guess been, because we've been doing this so long, you know, I guess like you're saying with Brian being old school, I am too. Um, I kind of would rather go to the one round, but, you know, we understand how two rounds work. you got to make some kind of adjustment in the second round. And for the most part, we we know each other. I mean, Coach me, Coach Cayouette, Kai, uh, Brandon at Terramon, we've been doing it a while. So we, we know what to expect from each other. But, um, yeah, it's tough going two rounds because it's so so much of your schedule is revolving around district play, especially, you know, involving PowerPoints. Um, but, yeah, you have to make some kind of adjustment for that second game, you know, unless you're just overall just athletically better than your opponent. Um, and, you know, what you were saying with the district, this is going to be a tough district, you know. Because I've seen everybody. I hadn't had a chance to see Hornville or East St. John playing to see Hornville on Friday, but uh, it's going to be a tough district. Coach, talk about the the play of your, your half court defense. I was so impressed mm -hmm. with you guys uh, against Jesuit. Y'all are so active on 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 defense on the mm -hmm. half court uh, side. Just talk about the play of the defense. I've actually for the last three or four weeks been happy with our defensive effort. Um, we put we've always put a lot of time in defending, you know. So we don't quite uh, match up full court like we used to. I just don't think we can. But half court. You know, we, we put a lot of time into it, and we try to change it up as much as we can. You know, I was usually more man, but now we we change it up. We even do some half-court um, half court zone pressure now. Um, but we put a lot of time into it. The kids have bought into it. 
And, uh, you know, today if we could convert a little bit more on the other end, um, you know, I always tell them defense keeps you in game, but you've got to score to, to win. Coach, you guys are not at school right now, still in the holiday. Um, yep. Would you prefer to have the kids in-house and stick with your normal routine, or is there a situation where you're liking that the kids maybe could get a little extra rest as opposed to, you know, being in the classroom all day? Um, well, I mean, being that it's holidays, I enjoy being out. You know, we as coaches, we always say it's fun when you just coach it. There you go. You're not doing all that other stuff. Uh, but, you know, we don't usually have a problem with kids showing up. You know, most of the kids are always there. Um, sometimes the holiday might be running a little late, but they there. They work hard. We had a great practice yesterday, I thought. Uh, but, no, I kind of enjoy not being in and, and just coaching for for another week before paperwork starts building up again and all that <laughs> other stuff. <laughs> I got you there, brother. Look, what are yeah. some keys taking on East St. John? They're 8-7. and seven. You said they're very athletic. Yeah. What are some things you guys have to do well? Definitely got to slow them down. We can't let them run up and down the court and get easy baskets. I always tell them they got to score against all five of us, not just one or two trying to get back. And definitely we got to rebound. That's something we've been doing a really good job of, uh, rebounding the ball. So we got to limit them to one shot per possession. Very good. Coach, man, we thank you so much for the time. Good luck tonight, brother. Yep, thank you. Appreciate it. Yep, there's Coach Tony Clark. Doing a good job as always. They're seven and nine heading into the new year. We'll be taking on East St. John on the road. That's a very difficult place to play. And he touched on it. You and I touched on it last week. Our local 5A boys basketball district wide open. What's the difference between Central Lafouche and Terrebonne? Or Terrebonne and Hanville, or Hanville and HL Bourgeois, or East St. John and Hanville. All of these teams, Thibodeau, you throw them in the mix as well. I think the only team that is decisively below everyone else would be Destrehan. But as Andrew said on Saturday, if you lose to them, then it it, it cripples your score. Yep. So those games are huge, too. I cannot wait to see our local 5A district get into action because I think these teams are all evenly matched. And I truly believe, and I said it last week, I reiterated again, the winner of this district is going to have multiple losses because they're all going to beat each other up during the course of the year. Evenly matched. And take a look at the coaching staffs yep. in this district. It's impressive, and it can vary. A lot of these games are going to come down to adjustments and how you handle certain things that other coaches are going to throw at you, and uh, your kids, bottom line, got to execute. But uh, some high-quality coaches in this uh, in this area. And, and the crazy thing is, is that like there's got to be so much pressure because every night you're capable of winning, but you're also capable of losing, of course. But and if you go on a three four game losing streak, you're gonna crater in the power ratings because everybody else around you is gonna win some games. I look at it right now. Terrebonne's in a good spot. They're thirteenth. They're thirteen and six. HL Bourgeois is in a good spot. They're ninth. They're eleven and seven. But you got a team like Central Lafouche who's twenty first right now. They're ten and four. You would think a ten and four team wouldn't need to climb multiple spots to get into the top sixteen. And that's what's so challenging is that every night you got to bring it. But if you have a week or a week and a half where somebody has the flu or somebody twists an ankle and misses two, three games and you lose them all, then you could go from 15th to like 23rd in a matter of a week because everybody's all bundled up together. Division one non-select is very unforgiving and, and you, you can't afford to have any negative things go against you or else you're going to fall behind. Yeah, and Coach Clark mentioned it, the buy-in. That's critical. At this time of the season, that grind, you know – Kid, it starts to get to be a long season, and a lot of times, winning or losing, it's uh, 
it's a challenge to stay motivated throughout this season. And uh, he mentioned something in that last interview. They practiced yesterday. What was yesterday? New yep. Year's Day. Yep. And that's the buy-in they have at Thibodeau High School to get these guys on New Year's Day to go and practice for a big district game the next day. So that says a lot about his program. Talk to me about the challenge of, okay, I asked him about facing the opponents twice and the adjustments you have to make. Um, let's say, and I'm going to just throw a random team out there. Let's say HL Bourgeois plays Terrebonne, okay? Those, they are playing tomorrow. Let's say HL Bourgeois plays Terrebonne, and let's say HL Bourgeois wins by seven points, okay? Competitive game, Bourgeois wins by seven points. When you head towards the second matchup, how difficult is it? Because on one hand, you want to do the things that won you the first game by seven, and you don't want to ver- and you'll deviate too much from that because it worked the first time. But you also have to understand, hey, well, in this example I'm giving, Brandon and them are going to make some adjustments, and they're going to try to take some of that away. How do you juggle the, all right, we're going to go where our bread is buttered, but we don't want to be too predictable? Like It becomes a big old chess match. And I think sometimes you can maybe overcoach a little bit and talk yourself out of a good plan that maybe worked in the first game. Yes, you can. Uh, stay true to yourself. What is Your team's your team. Don't try and make them do certain things that you shouldn't be doing. And uh, I, the Internet is a great tool in coaching nowadays or you can find all kinds of drills and this and that, but also – it, you look at it, oh, this looks good. Like this college is running this certain set or this play. It looks great. And you trying to put it into your system in the middle of the season mm. tr- because i got to make an adjustments. Don't panic and, and do that because they recruit <laughs> those guys for, and I'm talking college, that they recruit those guys to run that system that they run. And, uh, and a lot of times you, you want to get uh, – too greedy or too fancy and put something else in. But stay true to yourself what your team is. And at the end of the day, your job is to put your kids in the best situation to have success, and you have to trust them on the floor to produce. I really, truly believe this, and and we've talked a lot about our local 5A district and how open it's going to be. And we spent some time, excuse me, talking about HL Bourgeois and Hanville and Central LaFouche and Terrebonne. Don't forget about East St. John. East St. John started the year one and six. I don't know what that was. I don't know if that was there getting some football players back. I, I don't know what it was. But they have since won seven of eight. And last week they beat St. Paul's. That's a great win. They beat Franklin Parish, who's 11 and five. That's a great win. They got a win over West Jefferson, a blowout win over West Jefferson. Don't forget about East St. John. Tonight, I'm going to be very fascinated to see if Thibodeau could play with them on the road, be a big feather in their cap if they could go get a win. But I'm just telling you, we haven't talked a lot about East St. John. Don't forget about those guys. They're going to firmly be in the mix. Yeah, it's going to be a very competitive game tonight, and it's going to – it could set the tone for this district race already, game one of, of this district. Man's got somebody calling him. That's a good sign for us to catch a break. When we get back, we're going to go to Gage Griffin of Central LaFouche. We'll be right back after this. While inventory is growing, prices are dropping at Golden Motors. Come to Golden Motors and check out the new 2023 Chevrolet Silverado. 
with the all-new technology and improved great fuel economy. Whether you're looking to tow your boat or camper, or if it's just you for your daily commute, the confident and towing capability is there for you. Check out the new 2023 Chevy Silverado at Golden Motors, 15101 Highway 3235 and Cutoff, the back road, 325-1000. Chevy, find new roads. Price is priority. Join Talk on the Buyer from 10 to 11.30 a.m. Monday through Friday on the Raging Cajun. We cover local news topics, politics, and entertainment each weekday. And it's all brought to you in part by Lady of the Sea General Hospital, Rev, and Thibodeau Regional Health System. Talk on the Buyer Monday through Friday from 10 to 11.30 a.m. Right here on the Raging Cajun, KLEB 1600 a.m. and 102.7 FM. Absolute Fitness wants to welcome our community to come back and check us out. You'll discover an amazing environment and a friendly and welcoming staff at Absolute Fitness. We have a 12,000 square foot facility with all new top-of-the-line equipment, new saunas, an amazing smoothie bar, personal trainers, and much, much more. Absolute Fitness offers many types of very competitive memberships along with a dual membership with our proud partner, CrossFit Brackish. Absolute Fitness at 17092 West Main Street, Hello. 3T Oil Change is an efficient quick loop service that offers oil changes for gas and diesel engines, brake tags, tire sales and services, engine and cabin air filters, bulb replacement and wiper blades with the convenience of a drive through No appointment necessary. 3T Oil Change on Main Street and Cutoff. Call 798-7401. Proud supporter of South LaFouche Sports. 3T Oil Change says, Go Tarpons! Welcome back to Play by Play. Here it is noon. We're going to get Gage Griffin of Central Lafouche on in this segment of the show. Uh, Casey Jessler here with Coach Brian Colley. We are enjoying our Monday. We hope the same for you guys, and we look forward to having Gage on. One of those coaches in the 5A district, they're 10-4 and four on the year. They're coming in hot after a win over Santa Mont. Um, now, they lost to University Lab in their last game that they played, but they're 10-4, and four and they're heading into district with some momentum. They'll be playing on Friday against Terrebonne in a matchup that Again, Bell Cow chance to set the tone type of matchup, so we look forward to seeing how that one shakes out. We go to the phone lines now uh, for this next segment of the show, and we have Central Lafouge Boys basketball coach, Coach Gage Griffin on the line. Gage, good afternoon, buddy. How are we doing today? Oh, good afternoon. I'm doing wonderful. Great morning. Awesome. So happy to hear that, my man. Uh, you guys are 10-4, and four, starting district on Friday on the road at Terrebonne. And we talked about this last week, a long holiday break for your team. Uh, how have the practices gone, man? The practices have gone pretty well here. Um, so we just got back in today. I gave them the last two days off, kind of like a weekend type thing. But uh, we back rolling. We're lucky. We get the first first round by a district, so we don't play until Friday against Terrebonne. So we get the whole week to prepare now. And I think we could be ready to go. I'm hoping the momentum we had at the end before Christmas carries over. Facing a really good Terrebonne team. They got some shot makers. They got some things that they do extremely well. And one of those things is applying a lot of pressure on opponents defensively. How do you guys try to combat that and make sure you're getting clean looks against a very good defensive team? That's it. And uh, a lot of things we're going to be doing, we're working on screens, uh, on the ball and off the ball, getting our people open, making sure our ball handlers stay back to help each other out. we got a good bit of people that can handle the rock. So as long as they don't leave each other 
on an island, we'll be all right. We'll handle the pressure and we get into our movement, our offensive sense. We've talked about this with you before, man. This district is wide open. Anybody could beat anybody on any given night. And, and man, it truly magnifies, like, a lot of the little things. You know, if, if you miss free throws, you're going to probably lose. If you give up second chance points, you're probably going to lose. Like, as a coach, that magnifying glass that you guys are always having, it, it's more magnified than ever when you're facing teams in this district. Absolutely. And I always tell the guys, it's one of my big quotes before a game. I say, you take care of the little things, the big things are going to take care of themselves. And little things are the 50-50 balls, the layups, the free throws, um, knowing who their shooters are, knowing personnel. But we need to take care of those little things, and it grows. Like the maturity that we've been having to close out games has been much better. We closed out almost all of our one-possession games we had so far this year. And I think our district – Almost every game could probably be one or two possessions. So if we could continue that, it's going to be a great season. No doubt, man. Look, um, one of the things Brian and I were talking about in the last segment is just how competitive Division One non-select is. You guys are 10-4. and four. You would think with a 10-4 and four record, you'd be like in the top 10, the top 12. You guys are 21st and, and would be on the road uh-huh. in the opening round in the playoffs if they started today. That's got to put a little bit of pressure on you you guys as coaches. Is that, man, like you can't afford a two- or three-game losing streak in Division One because if so, you're, you run yourself at risk of not even making the playoffs at all. Yeah, that's very correct. And Look, I'm not even going to try to wrap my head around how the power rankings work officially and all that stuff, but we're 10-4. and four. We should be ranked a little higher, we think, but that's good to tell the guys because the guys feel like they should be better than that so it gives them something to prove and i think that's what they're going to play with every night that they come out there especially we play a terrible team which i think is a very great matchup for us i think we're right on the same pecking order we're going to want to play up to where they are we're going to try to show them that we belong higher up where they're at yeah very well said man look we had tony clark on in the last segment of the show and we asked him about the chess match that is being in a two-round district alignment is that like let's say I don't know, let's say you guys win a district game in round one against an opponent by 12. Then you got to play the team the next time. Obviously, you want to do the same things that you did to get the win in the first place, but you got to tweak and change some things, but you don't want to change too much because you don't want to get away from what worked. Like, There's a lot that goes into that second game, is it not? Oh, there's a lot. And look, I, I personally love the two rounds of district. It gives a great rivalry aspect, and you know the teams very well, the coaches, you see – their philosophies and what to do but it's all about adjustments and which kids at the end of the day take care of business and you could go and beat a team by 20 and then the next time they may flip around and beat you by like 10 you never know what's going to happen and who's on on which night who's in foul trouble and it's hard to do but going from the first game to the second game many things can happen before that second game comes my friend uh, it just leaves it wide open. Man, one of the things that, um, you know, obviously you guys have a big old senior group. We've talked about that. But one of the yeah. things truly that I think is helping you guys this year is just simply stability, man. Last year, you guys had so much stuff going on, and you kind of took over in the middle of the year, and there's a lot of noise and a lot of things distracting the kids. This year, it's been so much more stable. Everything has been going well. And I think even more important than the big senior group, I think it's just that stability that you guys have brought to the program. Oh, thank you. And, yes, um, the stability has been well. And, look, I got Coach Jacob Allen, Coach Aaron Dufresne, who have been helping me a lot, too. 
So even if there's days like when I'm sick and stuff, they're able to step up and help me as well. Um, we've we've been building like the family atmosphere around here, which I got the chance to start that towards the end of last year. We started to hit our stride. It was too late though, and we built that again over the summer. And it's been great for the kids to just keep that same body in there and keep it going. And they've been together all four years. They've been through a lot, like you said. And for their final season to be like this, I think they're ready to show what they got. Coach, you got Terrebonne on Friday. Uh, last interview, Casey was asking Coach Clark about huddle. Uh, mm-hmm. When you're not playing until Friday, do you go out and watch Terrebonne play before, or you do, or you rely just strictly on huddle film? So we do a little of both. Like uh, I'm gonna have a coach there tonight that's gonna be watching the game, and we get huddle film, and we played them in the summer as well. We get to see a little bit of everything. We rely on huddle film, and I know they just played at the Edie White tournament. We watched a little bit of that. Um, but you take everything because they may change their game plan from one game to the next. So you got to see everything that they do well, who who does well when somebody goes out. Um, we're we're going to be ready for them, but it's a big adjustment. You get to see many different things from huddle or in person. For sure, man. Look, you know where I'm going now. We've talked about basketball for 10 minutes Last night, um, as I'm sitting down watching the college football playoff, I got a simple text message from a friend of mine that just said this, put it on USA right now. I did, and I saw Dwayne The Rock Johnson walking down the aisle and going and you know doing the people's elbow to Jinder Mahal, and then at the end, oh, yeah. dropping the caveat that, hey, he's calling out Roman Reigns. So my question to you is, are we going to see this at WrestleMania? Or are we going to see this at Elimination Chamber in Australia? And then the next layer I have is, okay, let's say it is at Elimination Chamber and it's not WrestleMania. How do you allow Roman Reigns to presumably beat The Rock? Because I think that's probably where it would go. The Rock can't be your champion. He's not full-time. How would you then beat The Rock, who's one of the biggest stars in the world, and then turn around and have him lose to Cody to finish that story? Like, There's so many layers to this onion now, brother. That's it's a lot of layers, and look, I'm first figuring out, man, I can't believe you're watching a college football game over Raw. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, but no, I was watching, and man, as soon as gender came out, I'm like, that can't be it. No. Rock's music hit, it electrified everything. It was awesome to see, and when he grabbed the mic at the end said he wasn't done, I knew something big was coming, and hey, it may be throwing my last week prediction into motion. Maybe it's going to be at Mania. Maybe he'll be in the Rumble. But the way he's talking, if he doesn't enter the Royal Rumble, the match may actually be at the Chamber. But I just, I agree with you. I don't think if he beats Roman, beats The Rock, I don't think he could go and lose to Cody at Mania like that. Um, oh, that's rough. But I still think The Rock and Roman, I really think it got to be at WrestleMania. If it's not at WrestleMania, I think that makes it a layer lower. No, I agree, dude. And, and look, for, for all of the same reasons that you were just talking about it, how big it is. Look, I opened up Twitter today, Bleacher Reports, talking about The Rock being back in WWE. ESPN.com had a story today about The Rock being back in WWE. When a star like that makes a return, I get it, you got to juggle his schedule because he's a very busy man. But that's a WrestleMania match. That's not an elimination chamber match in Australia where Americans are going to be watching it at 5 a.m. No, that is a WrestleMania match. That's it. I agree. Like, and I know it's all about money sometimes, and they want the big match and the big venue and all that. But 
you can't just throw that match out there. We've been waiting for that for like three, four years now for it to happen. So if it just happens at a chamber, it kind of just downgrades it a little. And then the Cody match may not mean as much now. Look, I, I'm going to ask you this. I was talking about this with one of my buddies. Um, Damian Priest is the briefcase. I don't see him being the world champion anytime soon. I don't think he would go over Seth Rollins. I don't think that he would go over really very many of the people that are in the main event picture right now. Like, I'm yeah. beginning to get the feeling that he's going to cash in at some point and be unsuccessful. I don't think he's going to be the world champion anytime soon. And look, since it didn't happen last night, because it looked like he was about to cash in last night, that would have been the only time frame that I thought he would have had a successful cash in. Yeah. Because if he go if he went and won it last night, then you got Seth and Priest at the Rumble. It would have had time for Seth to get it back before Mania. But at this point, he's either going to hold it until after WrestleMania, or he may lose it. They may do something where <clears throat> Damian Priest puts the briefcase on the line with somebody, and somebody may take it from Priest, and then that's how they get their Mania shot. Whew, we got all so much to unpack here, brother. We thank you so much for the time. Have a great set of practices leading into your matchup with Terrible. Good luck, buddy. Absolutely. Thank you all very much. Yep, that is Coach Gage Griffin. As soon as I saw, and this is a true story, as soon as I saw The Rock on WWE TV, I sent him a text and said, well, you got to be free tomorrow at noon, bro. <laughs> and uh, he obviously was accommodating. Who I did. A, the Trojans are really good. Can't wait to see how they do in district. But B, as the wrestling nerd, man, the Rock's back. Dude, that's exciting as heck. Did you see it last night? Did you, I could send you the link if you want to watch it. No. I'll, I'll you were at your anti-Pop-Tart anonymous meeting? I'll read about it, I guess, in the paper. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they're taking on Terrebonne. I've seen Terrebonne. I've seen Central Lafouche. I think both teams are extremely evenly matched. Going on the road Friday... That's a big old game, man, right out the gate. But here's the thing about both of these teams. I think both of these teams, Terrebonne and Central Lafouche, at times when things don't go their way, get a little bit emotional, right? Terrebonne didn't have things go their way against Shaw, lost by like 30. Terrebonne um, had some games this season where they just haven't played well. Central's kind of the same thing. When they get into some of those lulls, they struggle to beat South Lafouche and, you know, need some things to happen there. I really believe that with, with it being a situation where so early in the district season, that's a big old game on Friday for both of those teams. Yes. Sounds like a game of a week. <clears throat> Perhaps. Possibility. Do you know anybody who broadcasts <clears throat> such things? I sure do. And uh, <laughs> the boss was around. We'll, uh, Check with him and see. See what we can maybe uh, make happen. There. But look, I think that's going to be a great game, and I think uh, defense in that game is going to go a long way. If Terrebonne can put pressure on the Trojans and force them to kind of – may not make sense, but put pressure on them and force them out of their offense. What it, Central's at best when they're moving around mm -hmm. and, and they're moving in their offense. If they can get the Trojans away from that, uh, Terrebonne can have a, a, a good game. And, and I, th I think it's going to be a great high school basketball game on Friday night. Yeah, I agree. I think both of those teams are very evenly matched. I think both of those teams are going to uh, put together a really strong game on Friday, no doubt. And that one, by the way, if anyone's wondering, say, hey, where can I go catch that? That one's at Terrebonne High School. Terrebonne's the home team. The Trojans are traveling for that one.
Let's catch a break when we get back. Oh, we got to dive into the football. We're going to start with LSU, and then we'll get into the college football playoff. Uh, so much has happened since we last were on the air, and LSU actually has a little bit of breaking news that's not very good news, and we'll tell you about that in the next segment. It's play-by-play. Play. We'll be right back after this. Celebrating 75 years in business, Danos has been setting the standard for generations. Become a part of something bigger and join the team. We're currently hiring for drivers, warehousemen, riggers, crane operators, and forklift operators to work out of Port Fouchon. So apply now at danos.com or call 1-833-GO-DANOS. Great jobs, great people. That's Danos. Lady of the Sea Community Pharmacy staff are trained in finding the lowest cost available on your medication. Stop by with your prescriptions or medicine bottles and let one of us review your options with you. With two convenient locations to serve you, we're located in Rouse's Supermarket, Highway 3235 in La Rose, or at Lady of the Sea Medical Clinic in Cutoff. Our staff available Monday through Friday from 8.30 a.m. to 7 p.m. and Saturdays 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. We treat you like family at Lady of the Sea. Southland Dodge Chrysler Jeep Ram Fiat and Homa wants you to join them for the start of something new sales event. Tis the season to get a great deal on a Ram or new commercial truck, van, car, or SUV. Southland Dodge has the perfect vehicle for your business or personal use. It's a grand new year, so get a great deal on your new dream car, SUV, or truck today at Southland Dodge Chrysler Jeep Ram Fiat, 6161 West Park Avenue in Homa. Here for you yesterday, today, and tomorrow. 3T Oil Change is an efficient quick-loop service that offers oil changes for gas and diesel engines, brake tags, tire sales and services, engine and cabin air filters, bulb replacement and wiper blades with the convenience of a drive through No appointment necessary. 3T Oil Change on Main Street and Cutoff. Call 798-7401. Proud supporter of South LaFouche Sports. 3T Oil Change says, Go Tarpons! We want to thank Coach Tony Clark for the time. We want to thank Coach Gage Griffin for the time. It's play-by-play here on KLEB, our first show of the year, 2024. Unfortunately, partner, um, during the course of this show, about 30 or so minutes ago, we got some uh, really rough news, man, that uh, we'd like to share with our sports family here. Uh, B, I know this is difficult. Uh, Take it away, man. What what, what did we find out this morning? Yeah, a good friend of ours, uh, former principal, coach, uh, middle school level, uh, Mr. Ron Briscoe has uh, passed away. He was uh, battling uh, some medical issues, had cancer, I believe, and uh, last night he passed away. So we want to send our condolences out to the, the Briscoe family, his wife Susan, his daughter Kristen, and his son Josh. Uh, our condolences and uh, just a, a good man. Yep. He was uh, a very good administrator. He, uh, he, you had to do your job, pretty much. You know, he, he, he pull your weight, do your job, and uh, back before that, you just talk about a great coach and a, a great man, and uh, had good time to spend with him at a retirement party. Him and his wife came for a little while, and uh, just uh, you know, sad to see us. But uh, we're praying for the Briscoe family. 
Yeah, no doubt, man. Very well said. Thoughts and prayers to uh, the Briscoe family, all the folks that were friends and former colleagues and everything. I know that it's going to leave a leave a dent in our uh, in our local sports community. Man, did a lot and, and impacted a lot of lives in a positive way for sure. Yep. Uh, look, let's talk about LSU now. As we promised, they were in the ReliQuest Bowl yesterday against Wisconsin. The Tigers started off slow, but rallied back and got a thirty-five to thirty-one win over the Badgers. The big million-dollar question was how Garrett Nussmeyer was going to look given a month of preparation, getting the first-team reps. He was good. 31 of 45, passing 395 through the air, three touchdowns, one interception. LSU was behind by 14 points twice in the game, 14-0 and then 28-14. And then really around the middle of the third quarter kind of took control of the game. They tied it up at 28 apiece in the third quarter. Wisconsin got a field goal, and then LSU went on a 98-yard drive to ice it with Brian Thomas catching a touchdown from Nussmeyer. The LSU defense got a big stop late, three sacks in a row, allows LSU to get their 10th win. Um, you were favored to win by 9 or 10. You won by 4. I don't care. A win's a win. You got your 10th one. It's a pretty good feather in Coach Brian Kelly's cap, and I think you've shown, hey, man, like um, – our next dude under center is pretty damn good. Uh, 31 of 45, 395, three touchdowns. He was spreading the ball out, got a big old arm. I was impressed with the LSU offense yesterday for sure. Yeah, look, I, I didn't see one second of the game. I was listening to it on uh, radio, traveling home yesterday. Uh, but look, all, all these Nussmeyer, I get non-believers or haters, whatever they are, uh, you know how much they were putting so much pressure into the – uh, or, or so much stock into this one game. Look, he had a week or two to prepare with a new coordinators. Yeah, who may not be his coordinators yeah. next year. So, I mean, uh, it was kind of unfair throwing all his eggs into one basket to perform well. And uh, it's going to be a different offense. I mean, come on. You just, you just lost the Heisman Trophy winner and that did – Unreal things with the football in that offense. And we talked about it several times where his ball placement in the back of the end zone to your receivers was just is unreal. It's going to take some time, and it's, it's going to be a different type offense next year. I mean, he won't be, you won't have the explosive plays from the quarterback position by the run. Everything that um, I didn't like about the way Nussmeyer played I had the realization last night is that, well, he ain't going to be doing any of that stuff. Because, look, they didn't put in a whole new offense for him. He was – my argument was, well, he can't run. And you're doing a lot of shotgun zone read stuff. The defense is crashing in on the running back because they know the quarterback can't run. Next year, they're not going to do that stuff. That that was Jaden Daniels' stuff. They're not going to ask him to do that. Um, it's going to be, I think, next year a more pro-style offense maybe a little more under center at times to set up some play action and use the strength that you have, which is a big old powerful arm. He throws the ball way down the field like a rocket. He's got a strong arm. And I think the most impressive thing that Nussmeyer showed me in the game yesterday is that he doesn't panic. You fall behind 14-0 in the first quarter, hey, no big deal. Let's score 14 unanswered and get back in it. You fall behind 28-14 in the second half, yeah, no big deal. Let's score two touchdown drives in a row, make it 28-28. You're down three with four minutes left. You're buried in your own end zone. Yeah, let's go 98 yards and win the game. He doesn't seem to get flustered, and I think that that is a great trait to have if you're a quarterback. 
LSU's got receivers all over the field that are going to be open. He doesn't move very well, but that's okay because next year they're going to put him in an offense where he's not going to be asked to get outside of the pocket a whole lot. Yeah, and look, he he's, he did it. He's like a sponge. I mean, he the last a couple of years, he's on that sideline. He's in practice. He's in these meetings with, with the Heisman Trophy winner, and he, he's picking up all these things. He's going to be fine next year. Just yeah, people need to relax and let them go through – uh, spring ball, let him go, you know, through camp, and and he'll be fine. Over the break, LSU got a huge commitment from the number one player in the state of Louisiana, Dominic McKinley, a five-star defensive lineman from Acadiana, was previously committed to Texas A&M. Texas A&M makes a coaching change. He then flips to LSU. The Tigers now have nine of the top ten prospects in Louisiana in this class. And a lot of folks are saying, oh, well, this is not a really strong LSU recruiting class. They're like ranked seventh or eighth in the country, whatever. But at the end of the day, that really only comes down to one thing. Louisiana was not as strong this year as it's been in years past. But if you're getting them all from Louisiana, you're doing good work. And we haven't had anybody go to Alabama this year. Haven't had anybody in the top five of the state go anywhere else. You got commitments from all of them. Hell, you got commitments from everybody in the top seven in the state. If you just recruit at home and keep the best players here, you're going to always be very talented. That, that's the that's why Nick Saban initially thought the job was a hidden gem, and the Tigers get a big one in Dominic McKinley. Now, tomorrow, they're awaiting an announcement from a five-star running back next year. January the 6th, they're awaiting announcements for a five-star quarterback ne- uh, next year, and it's looking like the 2025 class for the Tigers is going to be really, really good. Yeah, and back to that bowl game. Any negative came out of that game for you? Defense is still terrible. Um Wisconsin's quarterback who came into the game with only six touchdowns all year had three on you yesterday and threw for 378 yards. Matt Now, Brian Kelly finally said yesterday, like, hey, look, we're going to evaluate our staff and we're going to maybe make some changes. He said he didn't want to do that in the middle of the bowl. He wanted to carry his guys all the way through the end of the season. But Wisconsin's offense is not very good, and they got 506 yards of total offense on you. And I, I understand that – down the stretch, you got four stops in a row, which allowed you to, to come from behind and win the game. I understand that. But Wisconsin shouldn't be scoring 31 points on the LSU defense. Wisconsin, as a, as a team this year, they have scored 30 points three times against Buffalo, Georgia, Southern, and Purdue, and then now LSU. It's not a good enough offense to be giving up that much. Could it be that Brian Kelly is waiting for Michigan to lose? before he would make a decision on his coordinator, defensive coordinator. Very possible. They say that he would potentially maybe be interested. Now, yesterday after the game, he's talking about next year and saying how he thinks they're going to make a big leap forward. And, I mean, he's saying all the right stuff. But there are there is that little flame burning back there that says that if Harbaugh leaves to go to the NFL, which – by the way, I think it's going to happen. You don't change your agent in the middle of the playoff build if you're not planning on leaving. Um, maybe so. I don't know. We'll see. It's going to be a very interesting couple of weeks to see what happens with Harbaugh and then if Brian Kelly is It would make sense why he's not making the move now. If it's not made in the next few days, then uh, if Kelly leaves, of course he's going to want to say, LSU, please keep this defensive coordinator. <laughs> Because now he, he'll be on the other side against LSU. And uh, I, I just 
I don't know. You, you start trying to add, connect all the puzzle pieces together, and some of them fit very nicely right now. Uh, maybe not for LSU fans, but it just for the, the whole picture. But uh, one of my negatives that came out of the game, and again, I didn't watch, I just listened, uh, Malik Neighbors. Mm-hmm. Selfish. Yeah, I don't disagree. You're either going to play or you're not going to play. You're not. He has the but, record, then he's out. But with that having been said, please don't tell me he's hurt. No, no, no. He, no, no, no. He's not hurt. With that having been said, Brian Kelly did say yesterday that Malik wanted to play the whole game, and he's the one who pulled him out of the lineup. So take that for what it's worth. That's ridiculous. Um, Why are we, you're trying to win a game. Yeah. So you, you, team as, was down by 14 at one point in the game, and. You can pull out one of your studs. As much as I agree with that, and I think he should have played the whole game, if, if we are to believe yeah. Brian Kelly, he said that he's the one who actually pulled him out. So well, I don't believe that. I don't believe he's staying. <laughs> so, so you're locked in on Harbaugh leaving Michigan? Oh, without a doubt. <clears throat> Even if they win the national championship? Yes. Yeah, it would be very interesting to see how that goes. Um, we'll talk about the playoff games because, boy, they were incredible. We'll talk about that in the next segment of the show. The Tigers did get a little bit of negative news today. Um, and really, I guess, all things considered, if this is the only player that you have that goes into the portal, you're not doing too bad. But Zalance Hurd, a backup right tackle, true freshman, former big-time recruit, was not with the team in the bowl. Brian Kelly said during the lead-up, hey, we're going to try to keep him or whatever. He's you know flirting with other places, whatever. He has entered the transfer portal today. So potentially, LSU could lose a lineman which stinks, but you have pretty much your whole offensive line coming back. So we'll see. Lance Hurd's going to be flirting with some other schools around the country, and we'll see if he uh, if he ends up sticking around with LSU or um, if he ends up going somewhere else. Man, something smells good. Yeah, I know. I just caught that too, buddy. He's wow. eating something that's smoking us out here. Let's catch a break when we get back. The college football playoffs were last night, the two semifinal matchups, and whoa, buddy, they were both doozies, both coming down to the last play of the game. We'll break those down. It's play-by-play. Play. We'll be right back after this. You want to feel important. You want to be a part of something bigger, something that matters and can help change things. You want to feel like you belong. We know. We felt that way too. And that's why we did something about it. We aren't just Army National Guard soldiers. We are normal people just like you. And together, we can make a difference. Take on your legacy. Visit NationalGuard.com to find out more. Sponsored by the Louisiana Army National Guard. Aired by the Louisiana Association of Broadcasters and this station. While inventory is growing, prices are dropping at Golden Motors. Come to Golden Motors and check out the new 2023 Chevrolet Silverado. With all new technology and improved great fuel economy. Whether you're looking to tow your boat or camper, or if it's just you for your daily commute, the comfort and towing capability is there for you. Check out the new 2023 Chevy Silverado at Golden Motors, 15101 Highway 3235 and Cutoff, The Back Road, 325-1000. Chevy, find new roads. Price is priority. Set yourself up for success when planning your next event, whether it be a festival, Mardi Gras, rodeo, or outdoor music venue. Joe Septic Contractors knows that it's important to cover your bases well before the days of your event. Joe Septic Contractors can supply 1810, three and two stall restrooms, air conditioned trailers anytime, anywhere. Call 24 7. Planning an event? Visit Joe Septic at viscom.net with locations in Cutoff, Thibodeau, Fouchon, Abbeville, Reserve, Odessa, Texas, and Pascagoula. Mississippi. 
Absolute Fitness wants to welcome our community to come back and check us out. You'll discover an amazing environment and a friendly and welcoming staff at Absolute Fitness. We have a 12,000 square foot facility with all new top-of-the-line equipment, new saunas, an amazing smoothie bar, personal trainers, and much, much more. Absolute Fitness offers many types of very competitive memberships along with a dual membership with our proud partner, CrossFit Brackish. Absolute Fitness at 17092 West Main Street, Galliano. Well, it's a perfect song for the Alabama fans out there. They have no chance to win the national championship. Michigan beat them 27-20 to in overtime yesterday in the Rose Bowl. Washington defeats Texas 37-31 to in the Sugar Bowl. That sets up Washington versus Michigan for all the marbles. The beast, oh, not listen to me, BCS. The college football playoff national championship game, which will be Monday at 6.30. Let's start with Alabama and Michigan. I thought going in, Alabama was going to beat Michigan decisively. I thought early in the game, when you see McCarthy throw an interception on his first pass of the game, which got overturned, but still, Alabama scores, takes an early 7-0 lead. I'm telling everybody at our watch party, like, ooh, Alabama's about to boat race these guys. I was wrong. Alabama's offense was not good yesterday. Jalen Milrow, for as good of a back end of the season as he had, and for all that talk, 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 talk that he did before the game, oh, Bill O'Brien said I was that I sucked, and now, uh, now look where I am. Did not play well. 16 of 23, 116 yards through the air, 21 carries, 63 yards. Now, to be fair, that 63 yards rushing would be way more if the sacks weren't included in that. He would have went over 100 rushing. Um, But it was an Alabama team that, look, in years past, if you make big mistakes against an opponent, if you muff a punt, if you drop an extra point snap, If you make some of the huge mistakes that Michigan made against the Crimson Tide and Nick Saban team would pounce you into the mud. Alabama didn't do that. Every time they had a chance to get separation, they let let Michigan hang around. Michigan goes down the field, 75-yard touchdown drive with a minute 34 left. Alabama tried to go back and get into field goal range before the end of regulation. Their last drive was a mess. And then in overtime, Michigan scores. Alabama plays a fourth and goal from like the three-and-a-half-yard line. Kind of a bad snap. Milrow doesn't read his blocking correctly. It's an RPO. He had a wide open running back, so he could have either ran it or threw it differently than he did. Didn't either. And you get Michigan improving to 14-0 and and beating Alabama in a bit of a shocker. Even though Vegas said they were favored, this was a little bit of a shocker to me that Michigan stood tall after all those poor performances in the big games and got a huge win over Alabama to punch their ticket into the finals. Michigan had Alabama off balance the entire game. Yep. They um offense and defense. Uh Alabama on offense, their offensive line was atrocious the first half. Could not protect the quarterback, had trouble running the football. And uh, I I just think their scheme either w- was better or the Alabama team just did not execute their game plan. Dude, it, it felt like like Michigan was just at the end of the game when they needed a first down, they would just do that same little play where they just put a back out in space and just throw that. And Alabama just never had anybody there. They were just doing yep. the same thing over and over and over again. And they, they just couldn't stop it. That was shocking to see very basic stuff. And Alabama just 
wasn't in the right spots. Then in the second half, Alabama adjusted. I think they went to a little more two-back sets and a lot gave a little bit more protection for the quarterback. But uh, on defense, they just out formation Alabama they, with their different shifts. And Alabama would not adjust. And like you mentioned, people were just wide open. And um, with all that, Alabama still had a chance at the end to go down and put that last touchdown and put the game away, and they didn't do it. Either they would get sacked or just a, a penalty or whatever it was. Bro, what was going on with the center? And look, that's not the first look, the Auburn game. It's not the first time this happens. And when you got your quarterback almost in a defensive stance, his knees were bent way low like he's in a basketball stance to catch the snap. Because he had no idea where that ball was going, if it was going to be low or wide or high. And uh, I don't know, we, like we were talking off it earlier, there's some crazy things that will happen these last few days football-wise get you to think some things. But uh, Michigan outplayed them. So and they still had a chance at the end. And, and then that last play call, if, if Milrow follows his guard – I think he gets into the end zone, or he, like you said, he can throw the football. It just uh, it was not executed properly. So it leads to the the bigger picture question. Since the COVID year, when Alabama won the national championship, they haven't won one since 2017. In the COVID year, we kind of throw it out a little bit because everybody was playing weird schedules or whatever. They did win it all that year, but other than that, they hadn't won it since 2017. If you take that one away. And I, I pulled up the stats last night when I was debating some people on social media. As I said that I think Nick Saban has lost a step and their program has backed up a little bit. In six seasons, from 2015 to 2020, Alabama lost six games. In the last three years, they have lost six games. They were annually a team that maybe lose one a, one a year. Now they're annually a team that loses two a year. In the, three, in the six years from 2015 to 2020, Alabama won the national championship three times. Since COVID, from 21 to 23, they have won it zero times. Are we going to ever see this program get all the way back to the tippy-tippy top, or are we going to see them continually kind of struggle like they did this year? Dude, the old man's 72 now. The sport is changing. NIL, transfer portal. This is becoming a younger and younger man's game by the second. As we said, Nick is 72, and they had an amazing year. 12-2 and two made the playoffs an amazing year. But are we ever going to see them ruling the sport again like they did uh, five, six, seven years ago? Because I don't think so. I don't. I, I would. I think so. Look, I, it's hard to win. It is. It's in college football. It's hard to win. You you look at some games. LSU's playing on the road in SEC. They barely win. Oh, it's tough to win on the road. Then now Alabama struggles and they want to. Oh, Nick Saban's terrible. No, it's tough to win. And and. They had a run, a great run. And now, yes, it's obvious. It's not as great as it was. But look the job that this staff has done where, from where they were at the beginning of the year. They're almost losing to South Florida. To where they were now. This team has improved. So his coaching, I think, is, is still there. It's just, I mean, they, they lost the game and – other teams are getting better. Well, that's my thing. We, and that's that's my that's the 
uh, the crux to my argument here is it's not that I think Nick is can't coach. Is can he stack five star players six deep at every position anymore in today's day and age with the portal and that I don't think is yeah, possible. Those days are gone. You're right. That can't happen. And it is just the hurdles he, he has to overcome over because he never or rarely has the same coordinators. Yeah. For whatever reason. Uh but end of the day, I mean year and they go, they leave. But uh I just think, yeah, I think Alabama could bounce back from this and people, oh, he's done. No, he, I don't believe he's done. I think he's going to come back. And look, I'd rather him over Brian Kelly. Oh, I, yes. There, there's, yes. And it's just, um, they, uh, they got beat yesterday. And that happens by a better team who had a, a better scheme for them. And still at the end of the day, Alabama still, Still had a chance. You get a defensive stop on a four and two, or you don't let them go at the end and score, or you score at the end to regulate. They had a chance to put it away, and they just they did not. And um, people are going to blame Saban for everything. I, I just like slow the roll. I don't think uh, that's the case right now. I think they can. This team can come back next year and be in the mix. And I think with the twelve team. There's no, he's coming back for sure. Is is or was rather was Georgia the best team in the country this year? And they lost well, one well, game to Alabama. Yeah, but, they won their bowl game by a thousand. And I get, oh yeah, man, would Florida State had a bunch of opt outs? Georgia had the same amount of opt outs as Florida State did. They don't want to talk about that. Was Georgia the best team in the country this year? He's pot, yeah. Yeah, I really yeah. think so. You, you, and that's why these PR twelve, the twelve team is great because it's going to give these teams chances with a one loss, maybe a two loss, to still be in that top twelve to get in. Because if Georgia would be in the mix, I mean, who would want to play Georgia? Not me. <laughs> Not after what I saw you know? in, in the Orange Bowl. Not me. Now watching the two, the the game after the Alabama game, and I, I told Brent, my brother, this, and I don't. He might not agree a whole bunch, but. I don't think Alabama can beat any Texas or Washington. I agree. And and you want to know why I agree? Because I don't think Jalen Miller is very good. <laughs> He's not. <laughs> and look, LSU made him look good. Um, but 16 of 23, 116 yards, that's not very good. And some of the things he did with his legs, yeah, that's impressive, whatever it may be. But uh, Alabama had some dudes open down the field, and he's not keeping his eyes up. And – the rush was bothering him. He wasn't comfortable standing in the pocket. And if I'm Nick this year, and I get it, Milrow's going to be a returnee. He's only a sophomore. He'll be back. I would be trying to upgrade that position. I don't know if you could win the championship with that guy back there. Milrow was not ready for the stage he was on last night because several times, and look, I think someone I told Brent, I said, someone needs to tell this guy at halftime, like, you're not a quarterback. Run the ball. And because they weren't protecting him very much in the first half, his first thing should have been drop back, run. But he, he tried. He waited too long. A lot Derek Carr, and he was boom, getting <laughs> sacked. But um, I, he run a few times last night. He had the ball running. He turned his back one time. 
to the defense, not to get like hit instead of attacking and trying to uh, to get extra yards. And he didn't pick up the first down on that play where I think he could have. He could have at least dove for the first down. I, I just, I don't know. I, I, he wasn't ready for that stage. No, I agree. And you look, you got to give Michigan's defense a lot of credit. They were in his face. They were making some things happen. But um, one of the big keys, and we'll talk about the other semifinal matchup in the next segment. I think that uh, you're right. I think either Ewers, who's the Texas quarterback, or Penix, who's the Washington quarterback, I think they're going to be far better equipped to make plays against Michigan's defense than Alabama was. And I think that, um, and we'll break this down in the next segment again, but I really think that, um, yeah, Alabama had the worst offense of, of, of the teams that were in the playoff. And to take it a step farther, we saw yesterday why they were a Hail Mary miracle away from not getting in at all. Because they just didn't look the part yesterday. They, they struggled. And they had chances to win. I get that. That's Nick Saban's going to give you a chance. But they, they just didn't look as good as Michigan did yesterday. Michigan beat them up front, and that's something that SEC teams usually don't have happen. They don't usually get beat up front. Alabama got beat up front. Yeah, oh, no doubt. That, that first half was was bad. It was awful. They were getting yeah. Alabama had started running the ball in the second half a little bit better. But uh, and then they just looked slower. They just looked a step slow. I, I don't know if it's too much thinking they weren't just reacting and playing. Too much thinking going on. Yep, I tend to agree. Uh, let's catch a break. When we get back, we'll break down the other semifinal matchup. You had Washington getting a thrilling win over Texas, 37-31. to 31, And then we'll kind of give some early thoughts on the championship game, which will be Monday. It's play-by-play. -play. We'll be right back after this. No Wake Outfitters is the best fly shop and paddle sports dealer in Metairie, but we offer so much more. We can prepare you for hunting season with Lamco game feeders and functional, comfortable camo wear from Duck Camp. And we outfit kayaks to get you in those shallow duck ponds and keep you camouflaged. Let our knowledgeable staff help you have your best season. Also offering Duck Camp and Orvis Outdoor Apparel for men and women. Check out the exclusive brands like Rugged Road, Turtle Box, New Canoe, Old Town, and more. No Wake Outfitters. 1926 Airline Drive. Your business is as unique as Southeast Louisiana. People, culture, family. We know what it means to be local. Rev is your local communications provider with support teams that live and work in the same Louisiana communities we serve. Customer first localism is truly in our DNA. Our promise is to bring your business the reliability and local support you deserve. We've been connecting communities in Louisiana for 85 years and we're ready to serve you and your business. Rev Business. Absolute Fitness wants to welcome our community to come back and check us out. You'll discover an amazing environment and a friendly and welcoming staff at Absolute Fitness. We have a 12,000 square foot facility with all new top of the line equipment, new saunas, an amazing smoothie bar, personal trainers, and much, much more. Absolute Fitness offers many types of very competitive memberships along with a dual membership with our proud partner, CrossFit Brackish. Absolute Fitness at 17092 West Main Street, Galliano. Medicaid members, keep your coverage. Update your address, email address, and cell phone number to receive information regarding your benefits. Act now. If you get a letter from Louisiana Medicaid, read it and respond as soon as possible. For more information or to update your info, call the number on your insurance card or visit healthy.la.gov. That's healthy.la.gov. Remember to update all required information before Medicaid deadlines so you don't lose your coverage. 3T Oil Change is an efficient quick loop service that offers oil changes for gas and diesel engines. 
brake tags, tire sales and services, engine and cabin air filters, bulb replacement and wiper blades with the convenience of a drive through No appointment necessary. 3T oil change on Main Street and cutoff. Call 798-7401. Proud supporter of South LaFouche Sports. 3T oil change says, go Tarpons! Welcome back to Play by Play. We spent the last segment talking about um, Texas, or not Texas, my apologies, Michigan getting a 27 20 overtime win over Alabama. Now, this segment, we talk about Texas uh, and Washington in the Sugar Bowl. Washington gets a 37 31 win over the Longhorns, setting up a matchup of two undefeated teams in the championship game Michigan 14 0, Washington 14 0. A couple of things that stood out last night about this second game. Um, a, it started way too late. <laughs> you don't want semifinal games ending at midnight. Uh, but besides me being an old man, um, Michael Penix Jr. for Washington is a guy that could go. Um, I, all year long, had been the guy that was saying, oh, well, ah, they don't play nobody out there. The coverages are soft and blah, blah, blah. No, Michael Penix Jr. could go. And if you told me right now that the New Orleans Saints would be able to draft Michael Penix Jr., Whew, that guy could maybe do some things at the next level because he's got such a big arm. He's so poised in the pocket. He looks like a great future NFL player, even more so than some of the other guys that are maybe rated ahead of him. That's the first thing. Second thing, I think you saw at the end of this game, the fact that neither of these two teams had ever been in this spot before because <laughs> Texas kind of gagged away some things late. Play calling wasn't great late. Washington had it in hand, kind of choked it away, almost lost at the end. Michigan and Alabama, I think both teams played well down the stretch because they had both been in the playoffs recently. Here with Texas and Washington, you could kind of sort of see those nerves a little bit more. Uh, Washington pulls it out. They get a 37-31 win. But, boy, late, both teams tried to give it away to the other, and it was Washington who found a way to get the win on the left arm of Penix, who had 430 through the air, two touchdowns, no interceptions. Yeah, Texas out of timeouts. Clock's running case from Washington goes down with an injury stops the clock what luck and they have four they are forced to use a timeout I man out on that stage bone could be popping out <laughs> crawl roll get off the field that was huge that was a huge that, part in the game it worked out still for Washington the guy made a good play at the end so now it becomes like situation of okay you got Washington who's spread the field finesse five receivers they run the ball a lot too but they want to hit you deep and make some big plays they play very similarly to LSU's last national championship team if we're being honest stretching the field long vertical routes all that good stuff they're playing Michigan in the championship game Michigan is like E.D. White they're going to line up want to run the ball not they don't run a triple option but they're going to want to run the ball down your throat they're going to be physical they're going to want to get pressure on Penix. They're going to want to sack him, throw him off his spots. And I really believe that as complicated as some of these games get sometimes, the national championship game will be as simple as can Washington avoid being bullied by Michigan where Michigan's going to want to run, control the clock, and play their style. If they do, I think they're going to win. If they don't, 
I think they're going to lose. And it's as simple as that to me, is which team's going to play the game their way. Because it's two polar opposites. Whichever one succeeds in doing that, I think is going to be the team that's going to win the national championship. Michigan is favored by four and a half. I think they'll be able to run the ball better on Washington than they did against Alabama. I think that they'll be able to get pressure on Penix just like they did Milrow. But Penix ain't going to be comatose in the pocket like Milrow was. If you have some coverage bust on the back end, he's going to make you pay. This could potentially be a very, very interesting championship game. Well, last night it looked like Michigan knew exactly what play Alabama was fixing on running. Hmm. I wonder why that would be. If they can do the same, they'll win. So they they got five or six days of uh of scouting they need to do again, which I well, you know what I'm getting at. <laughs> you think that's still going on? Why wouldn't it? <laughs> Look, here's the thing. Here's the thing that is funny to me about this whole situation, and I think I might have said this about a month or so ago, but I'll say it again. Michigan at one time, when Harbaugh was losing a lot, three, four games a year, losing to Ohio State every year, they told him, you're going to either take a pay cut or we're firing your ass. And he said, hey, no big deal. Yeah, I want to be here. I'm going to go ahead and take a pay cut. Now, because he's winning, even though it's maybe not in the cleanest fashion, they reportedly want to offer him a more than $100 million contract. What message does that send? Is that, dude... All we care about is that you win, and we don't care how you do it. We don't care who you got to cheat to get there. We just want you to win, period. That's a crazy message that they have sent. And at the end of the day, I do think he's going to go to the NFL at the end of the season. I think he's going to the Los Angeles Chargers more specifically. But, boy, well, that's such an interesting message. You go 9-3 and three, running a clean ship, yeah, you got to take a pay cut. You go 13-0 and 0 running a dirty ship, yeah, let's go ahead and pay a hundred plus million dollars. Look, how can you respect the Michigan program when their administration is going to offer a contract extension with this crazy amount of money to a head coach who was suspended for six games, two this year. different times during <laughs> the same season? <laughs> I, I, I mean, okay. Due process, you get and all this, but come on, they have to have something in substance to suspend the coach two different times. Uh, and these knuckleheads are going to go and offer him a huge contract. Just keep on cheating. It's 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 crazy, man. And look, I was look. I'm not gonna lie. I was I was happy that they won yesterday because I was obviously not rooting for Alabama. But in the back of my mind, I'm thinking the same thing. Like, whew, this this kind of feels dirty. <laughs> uh, and they win the the semifinal game, setting up a chance to go to the national championship game. Um, let's talk about the second game. Texas, are they back? They're going to the SEC next year. They had a great year this year, 12-2, and two, got a win over Alabama. They've been saying, oh, man, we're back. They haven't won a championship recently, but they made it to the semifinal. When they move to the SEC, are they in Oklahoma going to have some success, or are they in Oklahoma going to get kicked around? D- define success. Are they going to make the playoffs next year? The 12? If it be four, no way. 12? Yeah, it's possible. See, I go. I think that they're in for a rude awakening. 
but look, because people out there are still, they're saying Tulane has a shot, to, and I'm a Tulane fan, to be in the 12. If Tulane has a shot to be in the 12, then Texas does. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. Oh, let me ask you this, Mr. Tulane fan. Watching Oregon play Liberty yesterday, aren't you excited that that wasn't Tulane in that spot? Yeah. <laughs> because, man, with the opt-outs and everything that Tulane had, that would have been them eating that 45-6. to six. Uh, that Mr. Would have been got them. an excuse it was raining. <laughs> <laughs> who you like in the championship? We got plenty of days to pick this, but who you like in the championship, bro? You got uh, Michigan oh, I'm and going Washington. Washington. You think Washington's going to win? I, I, I think so. I just think they look faster than any any team last night. I, I, Here's the thing that makes me nervous. Spread the feel. Here's what makes me nervous. There's a little bit of TCU about Washington. They won by six yesterday. They won their last game of the season by three. The game before that, they won by three. The game before that, they won by two. The game before that, they won by seven. The game before that, they won by ten. The game before that, they won by nine. Then they won by eight. Then they won by three. Then they won by seven. You do the math. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten games in a row. They haven't won by more than ten points. Tough schedule. Kind of squeaking by. I just, I don't know, man. If Michigan gets on them early... There's a small piece of me in the back of my head that thinks this might be Georgia and TCU all over again. I hope I'm wrong, but I just don't know that they would be able to play from behind if they don't get off to a strong start. And, and look, let's see if uh, intangibles during the week, if this Harbaugh stuff is going to pick up steam about him leaving and going to the NFL and have a distraction. But I think that won't distract Michigan because they had six games without him anyway. So what is he actually doing? Would um, do you think the timing of this could potentially be an issue? Like, if do you think that them winning is going to make him going to the NFL less likely because he's got to be there another week, or no, do you he, think it's not going to matter? He's getting out of the kitchen. There's too much heat coming after him. See, that would be fascinating to me if they win the national championship and then their coach would leave on his own. That, ooh, dude, that would be so interesting. Um, because we've not seen anything like that really uh, in recent years. But there are a lot of whispers that he wants to go to Los Angeles to coach the Chargers and Justin Herbert. And then, of course, you read between the tea leaves, he just hired a new agent last week. Why are you doing that? Unless if you're trying to do something different than what you have now, um, there's a lot of uh, backstory here. <laughs> to, to say the least, there's a lot of backstory here. And it could, as you mentioned earlier in the show, it could trickle down to LSU potentially if um, Harbaugh does end up leaving. Yeah. It, I don't, someone had to put it for, for Moscona to come out there and believe it. I mean, it's got to be a credible source with him. But who knows? I mean. Brian Kelly didn't hint anything of that yesterday. Not that he would. Um, but he was talking about next year, saying they're going to make a big leap forward. and But coaches have lied before. <laughs> and honestly, I don't think the vast majority of LSU fans would be upset I mean, about it. It would suck, but it wouldn't be devastating. You know, I think, <laughs> I mean, hell, you got a, the best offensive line in the country coming back. You got a really good quarterback. You got really good receivers. Like, they would find somebody pretty good. Oh, without a doubt. <laughs> I don't think that they would have to beat on too many doors to be able to find somebody pretty good. Dennis Allen may be looking for a job. Uh, no, thank you. <laughs> Does he want to replace Matt House as defensive coordinator? I'll take him there. Uh, he can maybe replace Mike the Tiger. 
bro, everybody now is saying that, like, he ain't getting fired. And I know we're up against it, and we'll talk about the Saints tomorrow. He's not getting fired. He's going to be back next year. Like, it's a lock. It's unbelievable. (laughs) Dude. Comical. It's unbelievable to me that that's not even something that they're really even seriously considering. And then, then I saw some whispers over the holiday on social media that Gail Benson and Mickey Loomis are so close that Mickey's listed in her will. He never going to fire Mickey Loomis. He's going to be there for life. It dude, it, it just makes you wonder like this is a really weird situation in New Orleans, man. Like the owner is attached to a team president/general manager that she's never going to move on from. And it almost becomes like the Cowboys in the late 90s when Jerry Jones was running them into the mud. At some point, they're going to have to change it. Now, Jerry did change it. He let Steven pretty much run the team now, and the team is much better for it. At some point, they're going to maybe have to do something like that because what they're doing right now don't work, Bubba. And I get it. They beat Tampa Bay on the road. I get it. They got a chance to make the playoffs, but what they're doing right now don't work. Yeah. uh, Last week of the season with a chance to make the playoffs, you don't – you take it, but, I mean, come on. That's not what you ideally want. You want to be in the playoffs already, and you want to be twelve and five. You don't want to be eight and eight. Working on the C, but you're definitely in, uh, and having to rely now on other teams to help you. Um, look, typical fashion. Uh, fashion. Everything's going to happen for the Saints, and the Saints won't do their part. <laughs> that- <laughs> so you think you got Carolina beating Tampa? You got the Bears beating the Packers. You got whoever beating the Seahawks, but you got Atlanta beating New Orleans. Yeah. That, <laughs> look, that would not surprise me one bit. Look, look uh, the, the Saints need Green Bay to lose. Green Bay's playing the Bears. They need Seattle to lose. They're playing Arizona. Arizona beat the Eagles last week. They need Tampa to lose to Carolina, and they need to win. Those are not three impossible things. No. Um, I guess it's maybe unlikely that they would all happen. And the easiest way, as we mentioned before we got on the air, is Tampa losing to Carolina and you winning. But, boy, that would be something. If if it all falls that way in Atlanta. But if you had to rank those games there of happening or not happening, the Saints losing to Atlanta would be high on the list. Yeah. I think the, the, the sure is better. I think Tampa's going to beat Carolina. But second on that list for me would be Atlanta beating New Orleans. It would be absolutely insane if that's the way that it goes down. You watch. Let's wrap up today's show. We thank Tony Clark for the time. We thank Gage Griffin for the time. And we thank you all for the time. Hope that you had a wonderful New Year's holiday. Tomorrow, we've got the turtle. We've got our mailbag. We've got Coach Brody Williams. And we got another fun show planned. So for Coach Brian Colley, this is Casey Disclare. Have a wonderful rest of the day. Love you guys. God bless. Take care. You're listening to KLEB. 1600 AM and K274 DE, 102.7 FM, Golden Meadow.